Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest, especially we welcome you today. We're so glad to have you in service with us today. If it's your first or your second time this morning, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back. We have a small token of appreciation to give you today. If you're watching us online somewhere this morning, we welcome you as a part of this service wherever you may be joining us from and pray that God blesses you today. Amen. I do need, I forgot this earlier, I do need to see some hands that would be willing to go to College Park next Sunday morning. Anybody willing to go to the service next Sunday morning in College Park? Services at 11, leave from here at 10. Praise God. All right, a few of you, maybe the Lord will move on some more of you throughout the remainder of this service. Amen. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. The context of this psalm is that David has committed sin. He committed adultery. Then he plotted for the murder of the husband of the woman he committed adultery with. He's confronted by the prophet. And as a result of that confrontation, Psalms 51 is the prayer of repentance that he prays. So beginning with verse number 1. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Isn't that an awesome thing? The multitude of his tender mercies. He doesn't just have a, you know, a little bottle of tender mercies. There is a multitude of tender mercies. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. It's not... My point today, it's not the message I feel to preach, but I just want to point out, I, I am challenged, and I think we all should be challenged by the personal responsibility that David took here. I mean, David, you know, David could have responded and said, listen, you know, what'd you expect? I'm, I'm, out, I'm out on my rooftop just catching some fresh air, and she's over there taking a bath naked where I can see her. I mean, what do you expect? I'm a man. We live in a world that justifies. We live in a world that we are all victims. But in David's prayer of repentance, he said, it's not about anybody else, God. My, my decisions and my mistakes is not anybody else's fault. It's against you and you only. Unfortunately, not a lot of Christians never get beyond when they sin. They're just sinning against the church. You, you don't sin against me. 
Don't sin against this church. You don't sin against a church. It's against him that you and I sin. Verse number five. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I want you to hear a couple of other translations of that verse. Verse five, the Amplified says, Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity. My mother was sinful who conceived me, and I too am sinful. The Message Bible, I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong sense, before I was born. The Good News Translation, I have been evil from the day I was born. From the time I was conceived, I have been sinful. Lastly, the easy to read version. I was born to do wrong. A sinner before I left my mother's womb. Anybody feeling encouraged and uplifted? Well, if you're not, let me see if I can add to it. Because here's my title. There's no clean slate. There's no clean slate. But stay with me. God, I thank you for your presence that is in this place today. I thank you for your spirit that's already been moving, lives that you have already touched. But God, I pray now, and I believe that now through your word, your spirit will continue to minister in this place. God, I believe there are people here today that you have brought to this service to hear not a sermon, but a message, a word that would come from you. I pray, Father, right now that there would be an anointing upon the hearer to hear and receive. I pray also, God, that there would be faith in this place to be mixed with your word today. That it might profit us, that it might benefit us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I trust you for your anointing today. Rely upon you, I depend on you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I bless you. You may be seated. We, we do not, as apostolics, we do not believe in infant baptism. We, we think an infant is innocent and that baptism should be a, a decision, a conscious decision, a choice based on an understanding of the need and, and based on the revelation of the power of baptism and what baptism does. And so, we, we, we don't baptize infants. We, we have a practice, if you will, of not baptizing children unless they have received the Holy Ghost first. And, and, and so that being said, the bottom line is it doesn't take very long into the life of a human being for the sinful nature to begin to rear its head. The first word that most children become so familiar with is simply the word no and what is it what is it what is it about an innocent 
toddler, an infant that will look at you. And when you say, don't, don't touch, that they will look at you and... I mean, you know, the older we get, the sneakier we get. But in the beginning, there's no sneakiness to it. What, what do you mean? What, what do you mean don't? What do you mean no? David said, I, I started off. I started from the beginning with all odds stacked against me. I was born in iniquity. I was shaped in sin. I was conceived in sin. I, I, if you study that out, I don't think it was saying that his mother conceived him in adultery or, or, or some kind of inappropriate relationship, but, but he was saying that the, the, the world that I was conceived in was sin. That's how I started. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you never started with a clean slate. You were shapen in iniquity and in sin did your mother conceive you. That's how you started. We, 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 you know, even, even in just the simplest of natural ways, we don't, we don't start with a clean slate. I was born a couple of miles from here at the Naval Hospital. I don't even think it serves as a regular hospital anymore. I think it's more of a clinic, if I'm not mistaken. I was born in the Naval Hospital, born in Annapolis, Maryland, 1971. A few more years, I'll stop being so quick to give the date, but I'm, that's where I was, I was born and raised. I, 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 was born, I lived in Annapolis the first six years of my life and then we moved to Arnold and, and I mean I don't Arnold's Arnold but it's you know it's right next to Annapolis it's I'm 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 an I'm Annapolitan through and through I, I have I have much to to the dismay of some I, I have an obsession I think I have an obsession with Annapolis and Maryland Love it. But I, I have this thing, and I've actually learned to start, I've started to embrace it rather than it aggravate me. But this, this deal where I, I meet somebody and for the first time and introduce myself, they introduce them and they say to me, well, where are you from? I'm, I'm from here. I'm born and raised in Annapolis. And I, and, and I used to not realize what was going on. Now I understand. I see this little bit of a puzzled look. Really? Yeah. So now I've learned what the next thing to say is. I used to not realize this, but now I know. I said, well, my parents were from the South. My mother was from... Oh! Because I, I didn't think you sounded like you were... What, what do you mean you didn't think I sounded like I was from here? This is all... I, I was shaping with some things. <laughs> my, my, I've got a frame of reference. I've got some influences that I was born with. You, you watch a 
you can watch a child, young or old, you can watch even in older years, especially in, as, 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 as men and women move in adulthood, and you can, if you knew, know or knew their parents, you can oftentimes recognize things in them. Handwriting that is the exact same as a parents was that no nobody sat there and you didn't try to purposely my dad you can't read my dad's writing and mine I think may be a little worse I, I try to avoid writing because I can't even read what I wrote <laughs> we, we you, you you just how many of you have ever heard or ever said to somebody you're well you're just like your dad or you're just like your mom you didn't start with a clean slate and according to the psalmist, you started with a pretty bad slate. Shaping in iniquities, conceived in sin. Adam Clark says, my parts were developed in the womb. The sinful principle diffused itself through the whole. So that body and mind grew up in a state of corruption and moral imperfection. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says, I had the germ of sin from my birth. I had the germ of sin from my birth. It may, took a little, it may have taken a little time before it manifested itself, but it was there from the beginning and it was only a matter of time because I was born in sin and I was born a sinner. It was only a matter of time before that manifested itself. I'm sorry, you may be one of those people today that consider yourself to fall into this category of a good person. I, I'm really sorry to tell you today, there is no good person. Well, I don't like that preacher, then I guess you don't like the words of Jesus, because Jesus himself said, there is none good, no, not one. I know it's not the most politically correct answer, but that's really one of the simplest answers to the question of why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things don't happen to good people. There's no good people. Well, you didn't know my grandmother. Maybe I didn't. You may not know my grandmother. I, I, I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I know what the Bible said. She's not good. Because there's none good. See, we, we, we measure goodness based on behavior and actions. And we look at, you know, the prisons and all those that are in that. They're not good. But I've never committed a crime. No, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone is born as a sinner. I, I tell I, I probably really shouldn't go here. My, my Elizabeth is in a sociology class. And I cannot believe what I'm paying money for her to be taught. I'm paying money for her to be taught that gender is something you select. That you decide on your gender and then apparently you can now choose your chromosomes, right? I'm, 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 you know what? 
Well, I don't think there's any debate about what gender you are. I mean, I go all the way back to the very beginning. The, the, this, if you haven't made up your mind yet, you need to make it up real soon. This supersedes everything. Everything. This is what everything gets measured by. I don't fit this into what is being said in 2017. I compare what's being said in 2017 to what this says. And this says that God created Adam and Eve. Male and female created he them. So understand, please, just to be clear before I finish my point, understand that's what I believe. But apparently today that's debatable. My, Elizabeth responded, she had a test Friday, was it Friday? She had a test. And questions she was supposed to answer about what she had been taught in that class and she responded on her test, I'm not quoting exactly, but the gist of what she said was, I'm very sorry, but I am a Bible-believing Christian, and I cannot answer these questions in the way you want. And the response from the professor, if I remember correctly, was, you, you need to understand them from, a, answer them from a so, sociology perspective. No. The problem with sociology is, you can't rewrite this. You can't change this. You can come up with all kinds of options and alternatives you want to, but you cannot change this. So there's no debate in my mind about the gender issue, but that being said, let me tell you something else that's definitely settled. Everyone is a sinner. All have sinned. Nobody except Jesus Christ has ever lived that lived sinless. If you're a guest today, you don't know me. Let me just tell you a little bit about me. I, I, I've never, this conversation came up a couple of days ago at, at, uh, in, in, in between a couple of games at racquetball. Somebody was talking about drinking and one of the guys turned to me and said, do you drink? I said, no. You ever drink? I said, no. I said, fact, and in all my life I've never tasted alcohol. I've never tried alcohol one time. Really? Yeah. A couple of days later, I was in a place of business and a person, somehow alcohol came up there and, 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 and an individual said to me, do, do you drink? I said, no. Really? Well, what do you do when you go home to, to calm yourself and settle yourself? She says, I, 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 first thing I do is, is I, I gotta get, a, I gotta get a glass of wine. I need something to help me relax. I got, I got righteousness, peace, and joy inside. I don't need something external because there is nothing external that can compare or compete with what I have that is internal. Amen. 
So I've never, I've never, I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked one. I, one of, I, I mentioned recurring dreams a couple of weeks ago. One of my recurring dreams is that I, 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 I was struggling and I ended up smoking and I was so devastated by the fact I'd lived this long and never smoked and now I smoke. No idea where that comes from. <laughs> I've never, I've never done drugs. I was, I was a virgin when I got married. I'm a, I'm kind of a dull guy. Well, I guess you think you're better than us, preacher. No. Because I look at you from a biblical perspective and I look at me from a biblical perspective. If you and I look at each other from a worldly perspective, then okay, you could say I'm better than some of you. But if I look at you and me from a biblical perspective, we all have a common denominator. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That term, clean slate, comes from Victorian times. One of the applications was school children would write on a piece of slate and then they would wipe it off. But another one was people would go to the grocery store and they would accumulate their bill. And so at the end of the month or whenever they would pay, they would then wipe the slate clean. Have you ever noticed that once you mark on a chalkboard, once you write on a chalkboard, you may, you may clear out the writing, but there's still the residue of what was there. You and I started at the very least with a chalkboard that had writing that may not have been there legible anymore, but was smeared out. And we didn't come into this with a clean slate. Romans chapter 5 verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the whole world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Ephesians 2 and 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all, somebody say we all, we all, we all, all. We all had our conversation in times past. That word conversation, I'm assuming it's probably the same Greek word as is in other places where the English word is conversation. And that word conversation does not simply mean talking. It's not just a discussion. It's not conversation in the context that we think of conversation today. That word conversation means the manner of life, how you live. So in times past, all of us, our manner of life was according to the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, were by nature, the children of wrath, even as others, by nature, by nature. I don't know why we're ever surprised when we look around and see what's going on in the world. It's the nature. 
of humanity. Because he was born in sin. He was born in iniquity. That was the, the germ, the germ of sin. Our problem is we live in a world that wants to just try to clean the board and not address the issue. Christianity is doing the world a great disservice by trying to get rid of the word sinner because we don't need, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to be judgmental. We, we, we don't want to be holier than thou. And we should not be any of those things. But you can't get rid of the word sinner because we're all sinners. And then we want to change terminology and now we label things as a disease. The problem is, if you don't identify something properly, you can't deal with it properly. Because one of the basic things you try to do with a disease is medicate it. But it doesn't solve the problem. You know what? There's, there's, there's pain medication available that will, that will take away or at least dull the majority of pain you could face. Not all of it, I know. There's a lot of things that we may encounter on a daily basis with pain that there's plenty of medicine that can take away the pain. But we have not addressed the problem. And you can learn to live with medication and never address the issue. And our problem is we're living in a society that we don't want to address the issue. Point fingers at the government all you want to. Point fingers at whatever political party you want to point fingers at. There's no reason to point fingers. They didn't get us in this mess. Oh, my, my, my. Don't, 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 you, you at least got to say amen to don't make me think I stepped on some toes. They did not get us in this mess. They did not, the Democrats didn't get us here. And the Republicans didn't get us here. Humanity got us here. And therefore the government can't fix it. There is no president. Every president that walks into office is doomed from day one because he can't fix it. The only thing that can fix it is the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm standing behind one right now, so I'm not being judgmental. It's not politics that have gotten our nation to where it is. It's the pulpit that's gotten our nation to where it is. Because if we don't stand up and preach the unchanging Word of God as it says it, my nature, your nature, your nature is sinful. That's what you were born in. That's what, that's what you were conceived in. You never, you never have, you never have, I'll make sure you get this point, you never have a clean slate. 
There's always something on your slate. There's always something written on your heart. When you were born, what was written on your heart was a sinful nature. That's what you came into this world with. I'm, 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 I'm trying to, 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 to get to the other side of the coin here, but I just, I just got to make sure you all get it. There is nobody that has privileged God with their attendance. God, you are so blessed that I have shown up today to grace you with my presence. There's no church that you made better because you got in it. You all are so blessed that I have chosen to lower myself to associate with such people. I don't think anybody here today is like that. I'm just saying. No such, no such thing. You know, it, it's those, it's those like me that are probably the bigger sinners, really. Because we're the ones that have the greatest trouble recognizing that guy out there doing all kinds of stuff wrong. He knows this man, this is not right. He knows, but it's those of us that live moral upstanding lives that oftentimes lack our recognition of a need. It's probably easier for God to save you from drug addiction or alcoholism or some other kind of sinful bondage than it is for God to save you out of your self-righteousness. Some of y'all ought to be clapping real good because I'm, I'm on your side. It was, if I could use 2017 terminology, you were programmed. You were programmed with a sinful nature. So, so let's, hopefully that, that convinced you. If it haven't by now, I probably can't. So Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. Here it is. Are you ready? This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my 
people. I'm just going to rewrite what's on the slate. I'm not getting rid of the slate and you're not going to have a blank slate. I'm going to rewrite some new things. I'm going to replace the old nature whose tendency was sin, whose leanings was toward iniquity and I'm going to put a new heart in you and in that heart I'm going to write my laws and so rather than your leanings being towards sin your leanings are now going to be toward me I'm going to replace the old and I'm going to put in the new Paul said it like this if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away and behold all things have become new I'm not here today to give you a motivation speech. I'm not here today to just try to help you feel a little better. I'm here today to tell you there is a solution to your nature. There is a solution to what you were born in. It's not medication. It's not some kind of an external help, but you can get a new heart. Ezekiel 11 and 19, I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Why? That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Oh, you mean God wants to put some kind of control inside of me so that I no longer am a, I'm, I'm not a human, I'm now a, a, a automaton i'm a robot no 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 you 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 missed it i i stood over there on what was what's now a slab but what used to be a gymnasium slash auditorium and 25 years ago i stood at an altar in front of the minister who just happened to be my father (laughs) kind of funny a lot of areas in my life i turn to for things and it's my father (laughs) (laughs) but I stood there and I made some vows I made some commitments I'm going to keep myself for you only so long as we both for better or worse for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health you know what when when I walked off the, the platform that day walked down the nobody was standing at the back saying here This is your marriage rule book. But what has happened is, there's some things that have been written in my heart. And I don't live the way I live as a husband because I am abiding by some rule book. But I live that way because in my heart there is some principles that I live by and there is some motivation. And so when he says, I'm going to write my laws in your heart, it's not so that you'll walk around all the time as if you have no conscious, no, no will of your own. But what he's saying is, when you surrender to what I want, I'm going to rewrite what's in your heart. And it's not just going to be about controlling you, but actually what's going to happen is the desire of your heart is going to become what can I do not what do I have to do not what are you forcing me to do what can I do 
Because that's what gets written. I wonder if the psalmist, maybe he didn't understand it quite, these terms, but I wonder if he had a bit of an understanding when he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. My heart. I, I think I used this recently, but forgive me for using it again today if I did. But I, I, I used to use it. I used to use it hypothetically, but now I can use it literally. When we took our trip in in this summer in in uh, France and Italy, I did not know where I ever know where I was going. I did not ever know how to get there, and I had to take all 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 trips to every destination had to be based on following a map you ought to hear mrs google try to pronounce french words <laughs> and it, and you know you you can go I, I, some of you have no sense of direction and that's fine but a lot of us you can you could drop me in the middle of a city in the, in the U.S. and give me, give me a little bit of time and I can sort of get my bearings and get a little bit of frame of reference because most U.S. cities, the roads kind of run parallel and perpendicular. In Europe, I, I don't know what they were on when they were designing their roads. Because there's like almost no such, except for the high, I mean, they do have some interstates, but except for the, excuse me, motorways, except for the motorways, in, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason in towns. I mean, roads or I, I, I've been going, I've been to Liverpool, oh, I think six or seven times at least now. We usually stay at the same hotel and the church is five, it's about five minutes from the church. Five minutes. I gotta tell you, it'd really be hard to go five minutes from here and get really lost. I mean, you'd have to be just really And, and, I mean, I still, <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. And five minutes later, no, that wasn't it. And it's not, you know, it's not very safe when you've got five other people that you're responsible for in the vehicle with you. And you're trying, and, it, and, and you know, it, it, and not only are you driving, but you're driving a manual transmission, trying to listen to what Google is saying, look at where you're supposed to go, make sure you're in the right gear, make sure there's no cars that you're going to hit. That's really not safe. And I don't know how many times on that trip I, oh, that was. Then my wife, we tried one point. She was, she tried to let me, I'll, I'll, I'll navigate and, and I'll tell you what to, and, and, and as unsafe as it is, there's just something about being able to, for me to see and then try to, I'm thankful to say there were no accidents. There was lots of wrong turns and rerouting. Rerouting. You know what, you just, I know it's not there because it's like this digitized voice, but there really seems to be this inflection in there. Rerouting because you're an idiot. Rerouting because you didn't listen to what I had to say. <laughs> no, you weren't clear. Oh, oh man, I shouldn't go here. <sighs> You 
you weren't clear, but you're a female voice, so. Anybody throwing anything? That's right, you're supposed to interpret what a female says. I mean, my, 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 my wife can ask my daughters, how does this look? And my girls can say to her, fine. Okay. I didn't know you. You were, you're not, you're supposed to be there, so I know you're here. She can say, how does this look? And I can say, fine. Fine, I'll change. What? He said, fine, and it was good. I said, fine, and it's bad. I'm like, this doesn't work either. This gets you in trouble. But really what most of the time I want to say, I'm not henpecked. I'm my own man. But what I want to say is, if you'll tell me what to say, I'm happy to say it. What do you have to say? Well, that's the problem. There's a lot. And I got a feeling... 99 out of 100 of them are the wrong thing. And I can't decide which one is the wrong one. (laughs) All of that to say, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Because if I've got it in my heart, I'm not looking for it. Where do I need to turn? What do I need? Should I do this or shouldn't I do? Should I go here or should I go? No, I don't have to do that. Because when my heart is right and when his law is written in my heart, it's almost an unconscious decision. I'm going to put a new heart. Ezekiel 36 and 26. It says it right here. A new heart. A new heart. Oh my. Somebody can get a heart transplant today. You can get a new heart today. A new heart will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to live like that? Because I... I preached it at the Glen Burnie preaching point last night. Jesus said in John 10, I have come. And here's why I've come. So that you might have life. If he's come that you might have life, either he's a liar, or every single thing he does is for the purpose of bringing life. The good... And what we would consider to be the bad is all leading to life. Of course, he also says in that verse, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. How many folks have walked the path of sin and life has fallen apart and they've ended up destroyed and wondered, how did I get here? Simple. 
That's the outcome. That's the outcome. He may delay the results, but that's the outcome. He may let you live for a while thinking it's all good, but that's the outcome. You know the problem with being deceived? The biggest problem with being deceived is you don't know it. I'm not deceived. I'm not, I'm not. And I'm not saying if you just said I'm not deceived that I'm implying every, I'm, I'm making a point here. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. You're operating with, 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 with a blindness that you, you, you don't know. And that's one of the, 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 the devil is a, is a master of deception. And he is the greatest salesman. Anybody ever had that experience? You walk through the mall or you were some, some place, whatever, and they're out there on the street or they're in the kiosk in the mall and, and you stop long enough for them to give you your spiel and you're sitting there, no, I don't need this. I'm not buying. I will not buy this. I don't need this. I don't want this. I don't. Why did I buy this? Because <sighs> that guy, I, I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. 15, 20. Years ago, I was, I was the biggest candidate as seen on TV. I walked through the mall at the one that this is, this is the most epic one for me that stands out in my mind. I walked through the mall and this guy's got the little chop chop machine. I mean, you put nuts in there, you put vegetables in there, and I'm like, every lady, every cook, I better be careful, I'll make some people mad. Every cook needs that. So I got my wife one, I got my mom one. This is going to be revolutionary. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I'm I'm expecting like How have I lived without that? I don't know if it ever made it out of the box. I don't know. I I was sold. The other one I, I don't think I ever bought these, but been to a couple of car shows through the years, convention centers, Baltimore, D.C., whatever. And, and uh, I think they were called chamois, if I'm not mistaken. That guy would, he would like get a bowl. And he'd pour like a gallon of water in the bowl. And then he'd get his chamois and he'd drop it in there. And you watch as a whole gallon of water is sucked up, and then he goes over to this bucket and rings it all out. You're like, sign me up. I think I may have gotten one one time, I think, actually. I got home. Thankfully, I didn't get no gallon. But I put like a drop. Check, watch this. Wait, what, hold on. 
You ever, you ever see those TV commercials? I mean, these showers that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even put your worst enemy in that shower. <laughs> and they're just like, You go buy it, and you got, I mean, your shower's nowhere near. You're thinking, man, if that'll do that for that shower, mine's not that bad. I think, man, I need that, and you get, and you spray on your, and you're like. <laughs> Scrub brush. <laughs> Throw the stupid can away. That's, that, that, I'm sorry, as, as lighthearted as this moment may be, that's exactly the way the enemy works. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'll give you. Here's all that I have for you. Every now and then he will end up letting you have some of that. Most of the time he never gets you that point. You never get there. Because at some point before that his nature just takes over. And that is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. And so, Brother Wright, preacher, how do I get that new heart? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that. Jesus told Nicodemus that in John chapter 3. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. When you go are born again, when you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, baptism is not just some kind of religious ritual when you are put down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus is applied and there is a heart transplant that takes place you go in with one heart and you come out with a new heart I've I've used this many times. I'll use it many more times. I absolutely love it when you hear somebody, especially when you know they've never heard anybody else say this. And they come up out of that water. And they get done. And they'll say one of a couple of things. I feel so clean. The other one they'll say is, I feel like a load. Yeah, there was a load. That old nasty heart that was conceived in iniquity and sin has been replaced with a new heart. I I like that first one. Sorry for this. I know this is a little bit gross for some of you, but I like that first one. I feel so clean because I, I really like that one. When you've, when you've seen that person, they just got baptized. And, and if you were the one doing the baptizing before they got in the water, you were like, oh, Jesus, please give them temporary blindness. Please, please don't let them see the film that is floating around in the surface of this water. Please don't let them see that. And they get out of water that's a little bit yucky. And they say, I feel. You're like, okay. I feel so clean. Brother Wright, appreciate your message. And it's good for all the guests today. But I've already had that. And I read it to you. He said earlier in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart. 
See, the bottom line is, through the course of life, there's other stuff that tries to get written on your slate. But I'm glad to know today that there is a multitude of tender mercies. And not only did I have a heart transplant when I was about seven years old and I was born again, but there have been a lot of other times since then that I've found myself someplace, sometimes literally down on my knees. And I was asking God and trusting God that He was going to give me a clean heart, renew my heart. There's other stuff that's trying to be written on my heart to influence and affect the way I'm living and what I'm doing. And so if you can just once again give me a new heart... So my bad news is you never have and never will have a clean slate. But the good news is you have the ability to decide what's written on there. Oh, Jesus. It, 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 it seems like, and I'm not saying necessarily those of you sitting here today, but for me, as I preach, you just, and it's probably, probably just the devil, but you can just, you sort of hear, you just sort of sense this, this feeling of, yeah, whatever, sounds good. Or, or, you know, okay, if that's your answer, if that's what helps you, fine. No, no, no. I, I must be clear, I must be honest with you. <laughs> Paul said, if, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. He says, old things are passed away, all things have become new. And, 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 and that word new there is not, you know, consignment shop, used car lot, new. You go, you go out this week and buy yourself a 20-year-old car. You're going to start telling your friends, hey, I got a new car. Really? What'd you get? I got a I got a Ford Pinto. You you got what? I thought you said new. Yeah, it is. No, no, it's new to you. Numerous times in 25 years of marriage, my wife has come home with new clothes. Where'd you get them? New to you? Whatever other consignment shop? That's not the new Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about not even not even new in the sense brother Bray of of the car that's got two or three miles because it had to get from the from the factory to the you know the truck to the it, it new as in the sense when it first rolled off the assembly line nobody else in it you stepped inside of it and said this is my new that that's the new But I also will acknowledge to you, when you get that new heart, when you become a new creature, that doesn't mean that everything around you all of a sudden changes and you never make a mistake again because He has rewritten. And I'm sorry, but that process is not an, is not an act. It is a process. Because, for better or worse... 
my human nature is never killed. (laughs) There's always still a battle. But the change comes in what is ultimately controlling my life. And that it's no longer my old sinful nature, the one that was shaped in iniquity, but now it's this new heart. It's this new heart with His laws that are written on it. Let me just, at the risk of maybe offending someone, let me just make it plain to you. If you've never obeyed the biblical plan of salvation, if you've never repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you still have a heart that is shaped in iniquity. The only solution, the only solution to being born in iniquity, shaped in iniquities, conceived in sin, the only solution is what Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. I, I, I feel like in 2017 and for the last probably several years, maybe a couple of decades even, possibly there's this, you know, are you a born-again believer? And it's kind of just become a, a label. Close your eyes if you would, please. In the name of Jesus. I believe there's somebody here today that God's purpose and plan for you today is to give you a new heart. A new heart. Taking away the heart that was born in sin, conceived in sin, and giving you a heart that is clean and a heart that has His law written on your heart. I also believe there's somebody maybe a few people here today that God's desire is to give you a clean heart you've already had that heart transplant if you will but life circumstances of life have caused some some stuff to try to be added to your slate but God would like to rewrite today on your heart Father, I'm asking you right now. Your word is of no benefit to us individually if we do not mix it with faith. So I pray right now, Lord, that in the lives that you are talking to today, that you would allow faith to be released in those hearts right now faith that would be mixed with your word today in the name of Jesus Christ would you would you stand and do something a little different this morning cuz i i really believe while i believe there are some specific people i don't know who you are but i just 
feel and believe in my spirit there are some specific individuals here today that God is talking to I think this is kind of one of those messages where there's an application for really everybody so I want to do this this morning instead of just maybe inviting a few of you I want to make an appeal right now to everyone that would. Whether you're sitting there feeling like the Lord was talking directly to you today or not. I wonder if I could just make an invitation to everyone that would. Guest. Member. To just step out of your seat. Come down to this front. And let's join together today not just not just one or two but as a body joined together today God those that need a new heart today those that have never had that heart of stone replaced we we want you to do that and then those God that we've had that happen but we just need some some cleansing and some renewing today. I'm asking you to do that for those that need that. Would you just begin to do that in your own way right now? Would you, what, whatever category you may fall into, whatever, whatever the specific application for you may be of what's been preached today, would, would you just in your way, your words, God, I, I need a new heart. I want a new heart. I, I need, an, I need my heart to be cleansed again. I need my heart to be renewed. I, I, I need my heart of stone to be replaced with that heart of flesh that you were talking about. In the name of Jesus. 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 God, there's no heart here today that is too far gone that you're not able to change it. There's no heart here today, God, that's so dirty that you're not able to cleanse it. In the name of Jesus. Church, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? Would you be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit? A new heart, God. A new heart. It's not an excuse. It's not my excuse today. It's just an acknowledgement of the facts. I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. I'm not, I'm not making that my excuse today. I'm just acknowledging my condition. And then I'm turning to you as the one that has the solution for my condition. I'm not making that my excuse for my behavior and my actions, God. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging what that means that I need. I need you. God, my solution today is nothing that the world can give me. It's nothing this world can offer me, God. There's no, absolutely no solution. You, God, you, God, are the only solution to the condition of my heart. God, you are the only answer to the issue of my heart. And I'm so thankful today that you have the answer 
I'm so thankful today that you have that answer. I don't have to live hopeless and in despair because I was shaped in sin. I was born in sin. I don't have to live hopeless today because of that, but I can embrace the life that you have come to give. I can embrace the hope that is provided in your word. Hope of a new heart, hope of a new life, hope of a fresh beginning. Be it that being born again is not just a cute little term. It's not just some nice little saying, but being born again is what I can truly experience. A fresh start, a new beginning. Everything in my past washed away. Every sin, every mistake I've made, every failure completely washed away by your blood. And I can start all over again brand new. Start over again with the same innocence that I was born with. The same innocence that infant has. Even as a grown adult, I can find that through the power of your blood and through the work of your spirit. Your answer's not in a counselor. Your answer's not in a drug. Your answer's not in alcohol. Your answer's not in a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife. Your answer is a new heart. Your answer is a new heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man's solution starts from the outside. Man's alternatives, man's options are the outside. But God's option starts on the inside. God's solution starts in the heart and works its way to the outside. I need your mercy and I need your grace. I need your mercy, I need your grace, Lord. I confess today, I acknowledge today, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need the power of your blood to cleanse me and renew me. I need the power of your blood to make me clean. I want a clean heart. A heart on which you can write your laws. 
a heart on which you can write your judgments, God. Give somebody a new heart today, Jesus. Let somebody leave this place today with a new heart, not a temporary fix for issues and problems in our lives, not a medication that just dulls the pain for a temporary period of time, but a new heart that brings a solution, a new heart that brings a change. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Yes, oh yes. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Give me a clean heart. God, there's nothing man can do to give me a clean heart. God, there's nothing man can offer me to give me a clean heart. There's absolutely no solution man can give me for the condition of my heart. But your word says that you can, God. Your word says that you've got the answer. Your word tells me you've got the solution. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need you. I need you. I acknowledge today, I confess that I need you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I can't make it without you, not for one day. I need your mercy. I need your 
need your grace. I need your hand leading the way. I can't make it without you. Not for one day. I need your 